Well, good evening. Did you guys have an awesome day? Yeah. Wow. It's amazing out here. So I'm like so grateful uh, to be here, to be with you guys, of course, first of all. But uh, wow, God has sure blessed this place. And this is just such a wonderful venue. And it's awesome that you guys come here every year. I'm trying not to be jealous. but. <laughs> um, so, if you, and thanks for the word. That was awesome worship, wasn't it? Thank you, Darla. That was so good. Oh, yeah. You guys are truly blessed to have such an awesome worship team. Um, so, if you guys uh, remember earlier, I, I started... Oh, I should say, I mentioned that um, I use a lot of scriptures. And tonight, <laughs> I'm probably going to use more. Um, I mentioned that I, if you want... Uh, if you sign your name and your email, I'll email you the notes. Just so you don't have to flip through your Bibles if you don't want. Uh, or you can, and if you still want the notes to look at them after. Um, a few people asked about that. So I have a pen and a sign-up sheet there. You can just do that if you want after the service or whatever. If you want me to send them after the weekend. Um, okay, but now I'm going to move on and try and <laughs> get to the point. If you remember, I was talking about Luke 11, uh, verses 1 through 13. And tonight what I want to talk about is Mark 11. So I'm, I'm continuing on the theme of, of He's to prayer from the teachings of Jesus. Now, Jesus had some interesting methodology. He had some interesting ways of portraying information and getting his point across. And he had some really interesting ideas about prayer, um, which is amazing because, I mean, he is the son of God. So he obviously knows what he's talking about. One surprising thing uh, that I talked about earlier is he actually tells us to be shamelessly audacious in prayer, which you know, it kind of seems, wow, Jesus is actually telling us to do that. That's interesting. Um, but anyway, I, I, I feel like this teaching from Mark 11 is nonetheless interesting. And I, I hope that um, by going through it, that it will, it will, I'm just going to move on. I don't know how to finish that sentence because this, <laughs> I'll just read this and then maybe I'll get, I'll, I'll, uh, figure out how to how to say this because it's, an, it's such an interesting form of prayer that it's hard to introduce but i'll start off with the context because this is such an interesting story okay well when i start telling it you'll probably all know it but and this is mark 11 uh, verses 12 through 14 then 20 to 21 it says the next day as they were leaving bethany jesus was hungry seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf he went to find out if it had any fruit when he reached it, he found nothing but leaves because it wasn't the season for figs. So this is kind of funny because Jesus kind of gets mad at this tree and this tree isn't even in season. So it's like, okay. So then he look at this. Jesus talks to the tree. He says to the tree, yeah, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say that. So then fast forward to verse 20. Next day in the morning, as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. Peter, they were, and that Peter was remembered and said, Jesus, to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the, the fig tree um, you curse is withered. Like, wow, this is crazy. You just talked to it and it, it actually did what you said. Now look at this. This is, this is just such an interesting thing that Jesus says in response to that. He says, have faith in God. And, and you'll remember this from earlier. I, I, I talked about this verse earlier. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, and remember I asked you the question, how many of you are anyone? 
Meaning this is applicable to all of us. We're anyone, right? He doesn't qualify it. He doesn't say you super apostles or whatever. It's anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and doesn't doubt in their hearts, but believes that what they say, it'll, be, it'll happen. It'll be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you've received it and it'll be yours. And I talked about earlier how important believing is. Yeah, like that's what it says here. You need to believe that you received it. Okay, so that's a part of it. But what I want to emphasize is this talking to things. <laughs> this is actually a teaching on prayer. Yeah, this is Jesus teaching about prayer. He says, if you say to this mountain and you command it, go throw yourself in the sea, it's going to happen. And remember, the context is Jesus speaking to this tree and it withering at its roots. He commanded it. He said, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. Right? And this is a teaching on prayer. Now, I realize that might be an odd thing to think about if you haven't thought about it in this way before. So I want to sort of show you this is actually a common form of prayer in the Bible. This is actually very common. In fact... I would probably say the most common form of prayer Jesus used was this very prayer. Now, it doesn't really have a technical name, so for all intents and purposes, I'm going to call it the authority and prayer of command. And, and notice here I have Jesus as our example. So what I'm going to do is just start off by saying, okay, hey, Jesus is our example, of course, as followers of Christ... We should imitate him by following his example and doing what he did, especially if he tells us to do it, which he just did in, in Mark 11, verse 23. So how did Jesus pray? I, I already mentioned in Scripture, his prayers were often short, very short. In fact, sometimes one or two words in the imperative tense of the verb. And otherwise, it was a command. He spoke to things. Right? If you say to this mountain, throw yourself in the sea, and you don't doubt it, it'll be done. This was especially the case when he was confronting the enemy, when I say the enemy, Satan and demons, and demonstrating the kingdom of God, like healing the sick. Now I'm going to just show you some examples. There's, there's a lot, but I'm going to, and I'm, I'm, I'm showing you specific examples, because later I'm going to show you, Jesus commanded his disciples to heal the sick, Raise the dead, cast out demons, heal leprosy. I'm going to show you Jesus actually used this specific type of prayer for each four of those things. Because you might notice Jesus tells his disciples to do these amazing things and he never tells them how to do it. So it's like, how do we heal the sick, Jesus? How do we cast out demons? Jesus is our example and this is how he did it. So look at this, healing the sick. This is just one example of many. Mark 7, 34 to 35. He looked up to heaven with a deep sigh, said to him, Ephaphatha, which means be open. That's it. Two words, speaking to someone who is deaf and mute. Be open and look what happened. At this, the man's ears are open. His tongue was loose and he began to speak plainly. Be open. That's it. Commanding it. Just like he commanded that tree to be withered. Okay. Cleansing the lepers. Matthew 8, uh, 13. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man, saying, I'm willing. And he said, be clean. That's it. Two words, be clean. And the man was healed of leprosy. Raising the dead, John eleven forty three. When he had said this, Jesus called out. Now, I'm not giving you the context. Of course, this is to Lazarus. He was dead for four days. 
in a loud voice, this is it. Lazarus, come out. And what? We all know Lazarus came out of the grave. It's interesting because we have these ideas. It's like if you're going to raise someone from the dead, you would probably have to pray and fast for 40 days and, and you know, beg God for like 10 hours and, and grovel on the ground. And, God, please, look it. Come out. That's it. It was so simple, but it was this form of prayer, right? He commend, Lazarus, come out. Casting out demons, same thing. Luke 4.35. And notice I'm using um, from each of the four Gospels. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. That's it. Come out of him. Then the demon threw the man down before him and all came out without injuring him. Now, not only did Jesus use this prayer of command and authority when dealing with demons and sickness, he did it in other contexts as well. Okay, so you might know this story, Mark 4, 39 A furious squall came up. The waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. He got up, rebuked the wind, and look, he speaks to things. He said to the waves, what? Quiet, be still. Three words. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. Okay? So, so again, Jesus is our example, and notice how often he does this. Like, these are just a few examples, right? Could go on and, and show more, but I think you get my point. Now, you might be thinking, okay, well, this is Jesus, yeah, like, come on, it's the Son of God. Of course he can speak to winds and waves and tell it to stop, and they have to. He's the Son of God. But what I'm going to show you is Jesus actually tells us to do the same thing. And if you look throughout the Bible, his <coughs> disciples did this very thing. Okay? Why? Because Jesus delegated his authority to us as his disciples, and he commissioned us to do the exact same thing he did. Okay, so I want to give you a, a bit of a, I don't have much time, but I want to give you a little bit of a scriptural foundation so you know it's not us doing this, it's Jesus giving us the authority to do this on his behalf. Okay, so I want you to notice something. When Jesus starts his ministry, he comes because the kingdom of heaven is now at hand and he comes and demonstrates it. His message was simple. The kingdom of heaven is here. Repent, believe the good news. Healing, 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 raising the dead, healing, like demonstrating it, right? That's how he did it. It's just simple. Kingdom of heaven is here, and then like Mark 4, he healed all sicknesses and diseases, and crowds came and brought the sick, okay? That's how he did it. Then when he commissioned, the first of all, he commissioned his 12 disciples, look, first to the 12, this is Matthew 10, and, and a few verses here, verse 1, Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every sickness and disease. Not just some of them, every one of them. So then verse 5, it says, These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. This is so, it's like two sentences. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven is here, now demonstrate it. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosies, drive out demons. Freely you've received, freely give. That's it. Notice Jesus doesn't say how he'd go do it. And they went and did it. Following Jesus. They knew how to do it because they saw him do it a bunch. Right? Here's, here's Luke's version. I just want to put it slightly different. But the only, one of the only differences is Jesus called the twelve together. He gave them power and authority to drive out all demons, to cure diseases. He sent them out. Look, proclaim the kingdom, heal the sick. So they sent them out, went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. 
Now, you might think, okay, these are the 12 apostles. Okay, of course, they're able to do this, right? They're special. They're like the fathers of our faith, the foundation apostles, right? That the church is built. I mean, of course, the cornerstone's Jesus, but the church is built on. So, of course, yeah, they can do it. But look at this. Next chapter, Jesus doesn't confine this to the 12. He's next, their next chapter sends out 72 others. <laughs> These are just random, not random, they're disciples, but other people. They're not the 12. Same thing, right? He sent them out two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go, heal the sick, tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. It's the same thing, right? Demonstrate the kingdom, proclaim the good news that it's here. Okay. Then a few verses later, they go out and do it. They come back, the 72, and they're super ecstatic. And they're like, Lord, even the demons submit to us, look, in your name. That's the key. The authority of Christ, because he sent them in his name. And, and if you think of it, I'm going to show you actually this is how they did it. But you know, they spoke to the demons in his name because they, they had to submit in his name, right? They did it verbally. But look at this. Jesus replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Jesus gave us all the authority over all the power of the enemy. And he delegated his, his power and authority to us as his disciples to do that. Now, you might say, okay, well, that was granted, not the 12, 72 others, but nonetheless, they were, um, you know, during, doing that during the time when Jesus was on earth, so maybe it was confined to that specific time period. Not so. Jesus gives the same commission to everyone of his disciples for all time, okay? This didn't end with the apostles, and I'm going to just show you this. Okay, this is the Great Commission. We probably all know this. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, look at this. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples. Notice Jesus never once says to make converts. He always says make disciples. Okay? Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And look at this. And teaching them to obey everything... I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So it didn't end with the apostles. This great commission is still happening. We all know that. What's the point, though? Teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. Okay, Nor, least in my, my own life, when I read that, when I read that, I would often just relegate that just to Jesus' ethical sort of moral imperatives. Like the Sermon on the Mount. Like, make disciples by teaching others, right, to love your neighbor and all that stuff. And, and that's part of that. But I want you to think of something. His commands include Matthew 7, 10, verse 7, don't they? That was a command. Go, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you've received, freely give. Those are commands that he gave them, right? And he's saying, make disciples teaching them everything... And this is included in that, that I taught you, that I told you, that I commanded you to do. And I'm with you to the very end of the age, because I've been given all the authority of heaven and earth, and I give it to you. Okay. Great commission in Mark's version. This, is, this makes it even more clear. He said to them, go into all the world, preach the gospel to all creation. Doesn't even confine it to humans. 
Whoever believes and is baptized, look, will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Look at this. All these signs will follow those who believe. How many of you believe? This is for all believers. In my name, talking about the authority of Christ, in my name, like it's not by our authority, by his authority, in my name, they're going to drive out demons, speak in tongues, uh, pick up snakes with their hands, drink deadly poison, it won't hurt them, and they'll place their hands on sick people, and they'll get well. Right? Similar to the heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. All who believe. Everybody. This is to the end of the age. So then the question is, okay, Jesus delegated his ministry and authority were his hands and his feet while we're on earth until he's his second coming. So then the question is, how do we do this? Because if he delegated his authority to us, then how do we actually fulfill these things he tells us to do? Now, if I had time, which I don't, this is throughout scripture. If I had time, I'd love to go through the book of Ephesians because this makes it so clear that as believers, his incomparably great power and authority belongs to us who believe. Just one example, Ephesians 1.19 says it. This is the case whether we realize it or not. You know the famous prayer, the apostolic prayer, where Paul prays that um, he would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of God, that he would open the eyes of your heart. You guys know this, right? So that you would know, part of the, re- the thing he says, his incomparably great power for those who believe. One of the reasons of the, of the prayer, Paul's saying, I'm praying God opens your heart to the knowledge that you have the incomparably great power. That, and then he goes on to say, that power is the same of the working of his mighty strength that raised Christ from the dead, seated him in the heavenly realm, far above all rule and authority, dominion and power, and every name that can be named in this age and the age to come. Do you know what Paul said? This power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him there is the same power in you who believe. Every single believer has that same power. It's unfathomable. That's why... It's unfathomable. Okay, I got to stick to notes. But just knowing this isn't enough, okay? You have, it's knowledge that has to be acted upon that brings the results. We have to do something with the authority he's given us. So I have here Exodus 14, 5 to 22, and if I had time, but, but you'll all know this. You guys know the story of Moses and the great Exodus, and they get to the Red Sea, and they have Pharaoh and his army chasing them, and there's the Red Sea in their way. You guys know what I'm talking about? Okay. <laughs> they're like, why did God take us out here to die? And they're like begging, like, God, what are you doing? And Moses like, God, come on. I'm paraphrasing. God, come on. Like, what are you doing? Did you drag us out here to die? You know what God says in verse 15? Why are you crying out to me? You have the staff. Use it. <laughs> I'm paraphrasing. Stretch out your hand. You use it. God's basically saying, why are you? I gave you the authority. Now you do this. You And then Moses didn't split the Red Sea. Same idea. It's like God's like, I've given you this authority. Now you do something with it. Jesus already gave us the authority. He gave us the Great Commission. He said, all authority has been given to me. Now go. Now how do we do this? One way to exercise our authority is through the prayer of command, the name of Jesus. Okay. So here we go. Like Jesus, his disciples 
They were, those prayers were often short in the imperative tense of the verb, just like Jesus. Command. Think about this. Now, I'm just going to give you a few examples. Healing the sick. Remember, heal the sick. Acts 3, 6 to 8. Peter said, silver or gold I don't have, but what I have, I give to you. Look at this. This is it. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. That's it. Walk. And the guy, we know it. He walked. Prayer of command in the name of Jesus. Look at this. Acts 9.34. And, uh, Ananias, or Ananias, whatever. Peter said, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up, roll up your mat. Immediately he was healed. This is it. The prayer of command. In Jesus' name, do this. And it happens. Acts 14.9-10. Paul looked directly at him. Saw that he had faith to be healed. He called out, stand up on your feet. And at that, the man jumped up and began to walk. Raising the dead, Acts 9.40. Peter sent them out, all, uh, sorry, all them out of the room. Then he got down on his knees and prayed. Look at this, this is a prayer. <laughs> turning toward the dead, this, the, that's my whole point, this is considered a prayer. He said, turning the woman, Tabitha, get up, she's dead. Look at this, she opened her eyes, seeing Peter sat up. The prayer of command. Three words, Tabitha, get up. Casting out demons, Acts 16, verse 8. Finally, Paul came so annoyed, turned around, said to the Spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to get out of her. And at that moment, the Spirit left. Okay, remember, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. How do you do it? This is the prayer of command. These are all examples of them. That's what they do, the prayer of command. Now, an important note, you might be like, well, these are all the apostles, right? Because we have a tendency to do that. These are special Christians. Of course, they can do that. Look at this. This is just one example. It wasn't just the apostles or the church leaders. Regular believers did this too, quotation marks, because we all have the same power, right? Look at this, Acts twenty-two thirteen. He, Ananias, this is a no-name Christian. <laughs> no-name meaning he's not some super apostle. If you guys know the story in Acts 9, when Paul um, was blinded when he uh, encountered the Lord on the way to uh, Samaria... This, this no-name, quote-unquote, Christian, God says, Hey, Ananias, this guy's at Peter's house. He's blind. Go heal him. And this guy, he's like, what the? God, don't you know this guy kills Christians? <laughs> and then he's obedient. He goes, look at what he did. This is Paul telling the story. He stood beside me and said, this is it. Brother Saul, receive your sight. Bam. Healed. And, and at that very moment, I was able to see him. Prayer of command. Okay, this isn't just relegated to the apostles. Even the regular believers in the book of Acts did it. Now, I want to make sure, and I already made this point, I want to give you a little bit of scripture on this, that we exercise our authority in the name of Jesus. Right? It's important. Doing something in someone else's name means that you come by the authority of the other person. It's not your own authority. You're coming in the name of Jesus. Um, There's an illustration... Uh, if you're like, well, what's the difference between power and authority? I've heard this, and I like this illustration because it makes the point. A police officer can go out in the middle of the highway, put up his or her badge to a semi-truck, and say, stop in the name of the law. And the semi-truck will stop, hopefully. <laughs> now, of course, the semi-truck has way more power to just drive over this guy, right? So, that, so the semi-truck has more power, but think about this. The officer has the authority in the name of the law to stop this truck, right? And the truck has to stop. It's delegated authority. This is the same as us with believers. Jesus Christ delegated his authority to us. Now we, just like the officer, say, in the name of Jesus, stop. (laughs) Or whatever, right? The command. But it's in his authority. 
Okay, so praying in Jesus' name means that we're praying in his authority, right, to take actions on his behalf. The important thing is the key to our authority is through our relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not going to go in detail on these because you'll recognize these from earlier. But I want to just highlight the point here. Notice over and over and over and over again, Jesus says, in my name. Okay, so John 14, 12 to 14. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing and greater works, which is amazing. We already talked about that. And they'll do whatever you ask in my name. Right? And then you may ask me for anything in my name and I'll do it. It's in my name. That's the key. I already talked about the Great Commission in, in Mark. Notice this. These signs will follow, will accompany those who believe in my name. They'll do these things. In his authority. I'm going quick. Sorry, I'm trying to be in time. But um, again, you can get the notes if you want. John 15, 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give to you. In my authority, in my name. John 16, 23, same thing. Whatever you ask in my name. Okay? I think you get the point. So the value of our authority rests on the power that's behind the authority. And God himself is the power behind our authority. God himself. Because it's in his name he backs it up because he told us to do it. It's not our authority. Now, the, the amazing thing is the devil and his forces are obligated to recognize our authority. No, remember Jesus in Luke 10, 19, he said, I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions, and, oh, and you have power over, or over all the power of the enemy. So the believers who thoroughly understand that power of, that God is backing them up can exercise their authority and face the enemy fearlessly. Now, you might be asking, okay, this is a pretty specific type of prayer. When do we use this? Because it's not... It's clear that this isn't the only thing, you, the way you pray. Now, Jesus did it pretty commonly, but he did it for specific reasons. Okay, and it's the same with the apostles. So usually in scripture, when this is done, it's, they use this when they're dealing with the enemy or anything contrary to his kingdom. Okay, so, the, so when you're commanding something, it's, it, that's when you're, it's like, in the name of Jesus, be healed. In the name of Jesus, be open, right? Because it's not your power, it's not your authority, it's His. But that's when you speak to things. Now, how, how many here have heard of John G. Lake? Does anyone ever hear of John G. Okay, that's, that's okay, that's okay. John G. Lake, I, won't, I don't have time, but, but I, I highly recommend you look him up. He's an amazing... Um, um, missionary to South Africa. He's actually originally from Canada. This is a hundred plus years ago. Sa- saved hundreds and thousands of people in South Africa. Planted tons of churches. Then he came back to the United States around the 1920s. He started what's, what he called the Healing Rooms in Spokane, Washington. Get this. Five years. All they did was pray for people who were sick. Whether they're believers or not. 100,000 documented healings in five years. Spokane, Washington at that time was called, declared the healthiest city in America because of this. Amazing man of faith. The reason I'm telling you a tidbit of his story is he, he was, he said, he used, at, at first, he would pray for people 
like we would think of prayer to the Father. Father, please heal this person, whatever. And that's perfectly fine because he saw results. He said the thing that made the biggest difference and shift in his ministry is when he got a hold of this. When he realized Jesus spoke to sickness like it was a person. He spoke to sickness like it was a demon and commanded, like, be open to the ears that were deaf. When they started using this type of prayer in Jesus' name, whatever, be open, he said it was night and day. They saw so much results from that shift because it's this prayer of authority and command. And if you notice, when I gave you examples with Jesus and the apostles, that's what they did, right? They commanded it like it was a person, whether it's sickness or whatever, demons. Um, so, I already mentioned that. So if Jesus gives you the same authority as the apostles and the disciples, he expects you to use it just like Moses. It's like God's like, why are you crying out to me? I gave you the staff. You split the sea. I gave you the authority. It's the same thing. If we don't use our authority, it won't happen. And so, I also want to mention that isn't the only time you use this prayer. Okay. Now that seems like the most common time Jesus and the disciples used the prayer was when dealing with the enemy, demonstrating the kingdom. But remember, he used it with circumstances, right? Calming the storm, be quiet to the waves, cursing the fig tree. Like I can't even put that in a category. <laughs> like what does that, that's not, it wasn't opposing him or anything. He just was kind of mad at it. Um, <laughs> I'm not suggesting you curse fig trees, but he must have been making, I, I'm, actually, he was making a point. But anyway, moving mountains, that's right. That's not the enemy, but you could use that metaphorically. It's like if the enemy is doing something in your life, right, you command. If it's the enemy, okay? And, you know, it, it says a couple of times in the New Testament to resist the devil. He'll flee from you. And it says in James chapter 4, how do you resist the devil? One of the things is like if, the, if it's clearly the devil doing something or something that's maybe not the devil himself, but that is clearly not in line with the kingdom, like temptation, like doubt, like fear, ungodly fear. I would argue that would be when you could use this prayer in the name of Jesus, right? Whatever sickness go in the name of Jesus or doubt go in the name of Jesus. I believe anything that's of the devil, this is when it's an effective prayer to use. Okay, Jesus is, I would say, perfect theology. If Jesus did it, we know it's God's will. We know, right? Like, he's our example. He's who we're supposed to be following. Jesus would not have taught us this prayer of command, if you think about it, in Mark eleven twenty three, unless he wanted us to actually do it. He wouldn't say, speak to this mountain, go throw yourself in the sea, unless he actually, right? Unless that was a type of prayer that he wanted us to use sometimes. Now, when you realize that you operate under Christ's delegated authority, you speak to diseases, demons, conditions, and tell them what to do, and they'll do it. One thing that I find really useful if you're like, hey, is this God's will? Remember the Lord's Prayer, okay? Our Father in heart, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Listen, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Think about what Jesus is saying. What's God's will? That it be on earth as it is in heaven. So, so think about the logic of that. Is there sickness in heaven? Is there poverty in heaven? Is there disease in heaven? Right? 
And if you notice, all those things that Jesus told us to do, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, all those, it was in the context, demonstrate the kingdom, preach the kingdom, demonstrate, because those things aren't in heaven, are they? So if you're not sure, is this God's will? That's an easy way to think about it. Okay, should I use the prayer of command? Maybe so, right? Depending on the circumstance, well, how do I know it's God's will? I don't believe you can make a case that sickness is God's will. In fact, in Acts 10.38 says that Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the enemy. All. In other words, is sickness ever God's will? In that verse, it says all sicknesses of the enemy. So I believe you can confidently believe, uh, use this prayer in context and say, look, Jesus healed all who came to him. Um, and, and if you waver whether that's God's will or not, that was actually another scripture that changed John G. Lake's life, if I had time, is, is Acts 10.38. I highly recommend you look that up. Okay, activation. I just want to summarize, okay? Again, I know I used a lot, but it was to make the point. Jesus delegated, it's pretty simple though, Jesus delegated his authority. The prayer of a command and authority is a, is a legitimate prayer that Jesus used, his disciples used, and he tells us to use it, right? And I'm, I'm talking, remember, keys of prayer from Jesus, this is one of them. And it's one that I feel sometimes gets neglected, and that's why I'm talking about it, because it's like there are certain circumstances, certain cases where you actually command things in Jesus' name, and they, they listen to you if it's of the enemy, for sure. So when you exercise your authority, first of all, name of Jesus, right? Prayer of command. And the last thing that I didn't talk about, but um, I think goes without saying, the Word of God. In Ephesians 6, it says the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. That's our offensive weapon, right? So, so if you're ever not sure what to pray, I just recommend Scripture, right? Like, the Word of God says that by Christ's stripes we were healed, according to 1 Peter 2.24. So in the name of Jesus, you were healed. <laughs> if you were healed, you are healed. So be healed in Jesus' name. Now, yeah, sorry, I, I time. So take authority over circumstances, poverty, disease, and everything that's not aligned of his kingdom. And I just want you to at least consider this. Because you might be like, like, you know, if it's a new kind of idea to you. And it is kind of awkward, I, I, I'll admit it. Like, it's weird if you haven't done it before to, to command things in Jesus' name. But when you do it, I guarantee you there will be fruit. And I can say that confidently because I've seen it in our own life. And, and I, know, uh, I know it. I know it. So personally, I just, I time. So, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Bad time. But um, anyway, so, so like I said, consider it, take it to the Lord. But I believe it's, it's a clear thing in scripture. And I believe that sometimes it's, if, if, if the enemy is opposing you, that you got to rise up in Jesus' name and command it. No, in Jesus' name, right? And there, there are definitely times, just remember this, if nothing else, during those times when you don't know what to do and it feels like it's the enemy, try this out in the name of Jesus, okay? <laughs> okay, so um, I'm just going to pray and then, and then we'll end there. It's kind of, I don't know why it's uh, hard to land this plane with this message. <laughs> All right. Okay, it's landed. All right. Father, I just thank you so much uh, for this opportunity again to uh, learn and glean from your teachings about prayer. Lord, we just thank you that you, that Paul, Paul the Apostle prayed that, 
that we be filled with your incomparably great power, that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened in order that we would know you and the incomparably great power for us who believe. And Lord, I just ask that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened, that we would come to a fuller realization, just like Paul knew we would have to by praying that, of that power that's resident in us, that same power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the heavenly realms, above all rule and authority and dominion and power, and every name that can be named. And that you set, told us to do the same, to in the name of Jesus, demonstrate your kingdom, defeat the enemy in your name. So Lord, I just ask that you would continue to reveal that to us, that, that you delegated your power and authority to us, that we're your disciples, and that all of this is applicable to us who believe. And Lord, I just thank you so much again for this opportunity. Um, and and we, I just ask that you continue to, to speak to us and, and just bless us with your presence. And, and Lord, even tonight with fellowship and, and that we would just have an amazing time for the rest of the weekend. Lord, I just thank you for this amazing time we've already had. And, and I just ask that your presence continue to be with us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.